It is Locked on Jazz for the 8th of July. It's Ask L-O-J Day. What's next for the Utah Jazz? What do you do if you're Ainge? How do we remember Rudy? When did we know he was going to be great? And all sorts of other fabulous questions that have come across. Plus, I've got a weekend debate for you around the barbecue with your buddies. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every... How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Give you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps, as well as on YouTube, as well as at utahjazz.com. So thanks very much for tuning into the show. Appreciate you. I hope you've had a nice week and a great weekend planned. Here's a weekend debate for you, and then we'll get into all of the Ask LOJ questions that have been submitted. They're terrific. So there's a anytime we kind of make a hypothetical debate, you're kind of adding a few pieces that are, you know, you have to kind of buy into what I'm saying. So this is not 100% like factual debate against factual debate. But so the question yesterday was kind of the window is closed and what the window, and then I actually presented like what the window really was. And so what this question leads me to is let's take two scenarios. And which would you rather have had for the Utah Jazz? And again, there's a few items in here that are pure assumption. So scenario one is that Rudy Gobert stays in Utah as a lifelong member of the Utah Jazz. We build him up. He's our own. He wins another three Defensive Player of the Year awards. and and, And he retires a member of the Utah Jazz. And he's our guy the entire way through. We run through his two $40 million years. We re-sign him at a different number at that point, and he retires, and he's just a a stalwart member of our community. And we actually never win more than 50 games. We're kind of always right around where we've been, which is 50, 51, 49, 48. We're good every year because we have Rudy, and his presence just immediately gives you, you know, close to 50 wins. He starts to fade a little bit as he gets older, and our win numbers drop. Our roster turns over a great deal. We make the second round every now and then, but we we maybe make one conference finals. We never make an NBA finals, um, and and we have this 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 great more run with Rudy. That's probably another five six years till he's thirty five thirty six, and then finally he retires, and uh, and and we've had a run, and and that's scenario one. And there are some people out there who really believe that. Like with Rudy Gobert, particularly at the salary he was going to be at, we couldn't have won a championship. That that's was not an option. We probably could never win a championship. That it was going to limit how great we could be. And so let's go with their school of thought, which has got some reason to it. And also that Rudy's, you know, as we've talked about, postseason impact has been minimized the last few years. And the league seems to be, you know, he contested two less shots last year. So there's some some thoughts there. Let's just, let's, I'm not trying to prove it. I don't really care. It's more of a concept of a debate. 
So here's scenario one. Scenario one is that Rudy stays in Utah. That feels wonderful. We're all wearing 27 jerseys. We get a massive retirement party for him. He, we retire his number. He goes down as the third greatest jazz player of all time. But we never win more than 53, 54 games on one year. We got a little hot. We are 48 for some, depending if Rudy tweaks something, misses some games. And we make it out of the first round some of the time, maybe a conference final. The other scenario is we do what we did. We cut the cord with Rudy because we do feel he's hindering his contract, his style, his offensive inabilities. Hinder your chance to win a championship. Make you good every year, but hinder your chance to win a championship. And you in, instead, you unload him. You get all these draft picks. You're in into a really tough circumstance right now, and you may or may not be able to retool it immediately, or you end up rebuilding. You have to go through the process like, you might not be good till 20, by the time Rudy's contract would be actually over. Like, so, like, you're 2027, 2028, 2029. I don't know. That seems long. Uh, but maybe, frankly, our first real dividend draft picks from the Minnesota pick might be 2027 and 2029, barring something going wrong. I expect them to be good next year and still be good in three years. So our first really good, like, marquee player may not be till 2027 or 2029. So how we've built and then we add them. So you're not, and then you have this championship chance. Let's say the other one had zero championship chance. This one's got a rebuild and some some tough years, but you're watching your players and your excitement of the draft, and you're going through the process, and you and and now you build it up, and you and you get one of these. You have a chance again. There's no guarantee here of this getting one of these stars and getting a marquee player and and building that up into a championship opportunity. If all goes as difficult as it is, if all goes correctly. So that's your weekend debate. Which of those two, as a fan, would you rather have? Now, remember what you said after we lost in the first round of Dallas. Because that's scenario one, kind of over and over and over again with some little flips in there of, um, of winning 50 games. I, I, as a play-by-play announcer, it's an interesting question. And, and actually, one of our questions that we got today on Ask LOJ is, how the quality of the team is like I might take the first one as an owner or a general manager or front office or a head coach. I think I want the second. How about as a fan? What would you want as a fan? I think it's a really interesting debate. Again, the second one has no guarantees. It has a route to championship or at least high level. But it has no guarantees. But the other one probably had a ceiling. So which of those two, as a fan, would you rather have? All right, the number one question that's coming at me um, right now is any chance on DeAndre Ayton? Um, And before we get into all the Ask LOJ questions, I'll I'll address this one. Uh, By the way, comment on YouTube. I've put a poll question up for you on which of those... Two, would you rather have scenario one, the Rudy Gobert holds for six more years, and scenario two is we go through a a retool, rebuild, um, with a chance. Like, just a good weekend debate. Um, And then I, you know, and then you have to ask yourself, honestly, if you, if, let's be honest, if you take the first one, are you actually really, are you actually willing to do that? And if you take the second one, how upset are you going to be in 30, 35 win seasons? Or 25 win seasons? It's fun. Like, good. So do that over the barbecue. 
Um, maybe you can sneak over Scott Gerard's house and get him to cook up some of his amazing burgers and all the other things he does and, and then have that debate with him. Uh, the, I've never been invited, so I, I wouldn't know. Um, I hope he's listening. <laughs> um, so uh, questions on DeAndre Ayton. Uh, and my first comment is I think it's unlikely. The first question I think you have to ask, the whole, one of the whole reasons you moved Rudy is you didn't want to be paying $40 million for a center. Do you want to be paying $40 million for a center in DeAndre Ayton? Do you want to be paying $40 million at some point for a center who there are questions of whether he likes the game or not? Like that's kind of been the book on him since the very beginning of whether or not he likes the game. There's all these kind of weird stories of him staying up all night game playing games and video games and some of these kind of things that are questionable. And Phoenix is clearly you know willing to move from a guy who's like helped them do some pretty amazing stuff. And then there definitely was an issue during the playoffs where, you know, he and Monty got into it and enough so that Phoenix is willing to move on. So, you know, and he's really good. He's the number one pick of the draft. He's wildly talented. He's super good. Um, and he can play offensively. He's not, you, you, you go put a little on him on a switch and he'll pin you and he'll score. Um, and he wants the ball. Uh, so he's, you know, he's not as good as defensively as Rudy, but he actually got way better. So he's really, really good. So is there any chance the Jazz could get DeAndre Aiden? I had been told in basketball circles this week that he there was supposed to be an offer sheet um, for him this week and kind of a surprising one that would have blown up the Kevin Durant deal and was from a team you wouldn't expect it from. And it didn't come which starts to get interesting because there are only a few teams that actually can do something with DeAndre Ayton. And so one of two things is happening right now. One is that he actually wants to go to Brooklyn. His agent is holding up signing any offer sheets, trying to help facilitate the trade for DeAndre Ayton to get to Brooklyn. Okay, so that could be one. Two is that the other teams just have not offered the offer sheet yet. Like, for whatever reason, they have not come through. They either have gotten intel that has them worried. They have whatever is going on. And, and or they just are wait. You know, whatever it is, the teams have decided. The longer this goes on, if the second one is the reason, then the DeAndre Ayton to Utah possibilities increase by the day. Because... One of two things also happens. One is that the number starts getting much lower. And then he has to decide whether he just wants out of it or what he's doing. And if the number's lower, it's an easier trade to make with Phoenix. And if Phoenix really is just done with him, and they just don't have a lot of options, you could pro- then this suddenly becomes more viable. So the longer this goes on without Aiton getting an offer sheet, and again, in the basketball circles, yesterday or the day before was the day that we actually had all heard that he was getting something that was going to kind of surprise things, blow up the Durant deal and do all sorts of, have a major impact around the league, and it didn't happen. And and there just aren't that many teams that have cap space for DeAndre Aiton right now, like San Antonio, Indiana. I mean, you can kind of run down the list. It's, it's few and far between. So it'll... My quick take on it is, unless they're just the agents holding out for Brooklyn, is the second scenario is that the league is just not making a move on him. Every day is a larger possibility. You just have to, the Jazz have to figure out if they actually want to do it. So that's my my quick one on that. Uh, Friday edition of the show is brought to you. We'll get to ask LOJ coming up here in a second. A lot of really, really good questions coming uh, your direction. Um, One great one on whether there's a model of this in the past. Um, And I... 
I'm not prepared for it, but I'm going to throw it out there. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located 4646 South State Street. My wife went down yesterday and test drove the Ionic, which is the electric uh, car that Hyundai has out there. Um, and I think I'm about to buy my third Hyundai. Is that crazy? Holy smokes. Ever since I got to meet the Murdochs and then got to know the Hyundai brand, I'm like become a disciple, not only an advertiser, but a total disciple. We've got two Santa Fe's and I think we're on the verge of going to get an Ionic. Um, It just drives really well and it's got a bunch of safety features and it's electric and it's good for the environment. Um, I can't put water in the Great Salt Lake, but that's something we should probably look into. Um, So it is, uh, I, I just, you know, I keep, I keep telling you about what's going on at Murdoch Hyundai, but I'm also telling you that I actually keep buying cars at Murdoch Hyundai um, because when I do the research, they come out to be the most price efficient on the market with the best safety values and all the things uh, that you'd want when you buy a car. So head down to Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street or in Logan or in Linden. Feel free to email me first. Always best if you can tell me uh, what what store you want to stop by and I'll set you up with a VIP meeting over at Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show is also brought to you by Truebill. On average, people are saving up to $720 a year with Truebill. It's the app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forget about. Companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap and your Truebill concierge will be there for you to help you cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. It's actually pretty great. It also tells you a lot about your spending habits, what you did each week, where you're spending your money. You can, depends how deep into it you want to go. It's pretty fabulous. Don't fall for subscription scams. Call, start calling, uh, canceling today at truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Go right now to truebill.com slash locked on NBA. That's truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Thanks very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. Locked On NBA, a 30 minute recap of the night in the NBA is with the big stories is a great, Uh, And Summer League action is a great way to catch up on the rest of the league. Also, Locked on Sports today. That's like my favorite show. All right, let's get to it. Let's see what we got here. Let's run to our questions. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. I got to change one thing on our graphics. Our first question on Ask LOJ comes in and says from Bryce, since the Jazz are retooling, would it be a good time to take a risk on a guy like Jonathan Isaac? And could... Should the Jazz go get him or a guy like him, young prospect with a high ceiling, come back from injury, maybe Boyan for Jonathan Isaac? Yes. I think this is really interesting. I saw this last night, and I had not, I have not done a great job of kind of digging into prospects like this. But with Paulo Banchero, uh, it does seem like Orlando probably is interested in moving Jonathan Isaac. Um, his injuries are have been significant, um, and, you know, whether or not he ever plans out, he's got they, they paid him a bunch of money, so the problem is that he has a bunch of years left on his deal. But if we're going to be under the cap and we're going to be, you know, in a rebuild, retool mode, then maybe it's a it's a pretty good gamble. Um, he's got seventeen point four million this year, seventeen point four next, and seventeen point four the year after that. So yes, I think that's a absolutely good name to throw out there. You've got to do your research. You've got to kind of figure out where. He is as a player, um, but yes, I absolutely agree um, that, that that is the type of player. There aren't a lot out there that are worth going to get. What is the path or timeline to being competitive? I don't expect there to be any move we can make to be truly competitive this year. So what moves would we make down the line for that? Can we do so, uh, enough soon enough so Donovan stays or we don't risk another Hayward situation? This is from Wes Jenkins. It's hard. 
Um, like the free agents that are available, there's just nothing that moves the meter right now in free agents. Like the centers are DeMarcus Cousins, Hassan Whiteside, and Montrez Harrell. So unsigned players are not going to fill our gaps. Feels similar to kind of one of Danny's early Boston teams that I think got around 40 wins, and then Danny started adding stars onto the team. He added, you know, he added Al Horford, then he added another piece, then he added Kyrie, then he added Kemba, and and some worked and some didn't. Um, There's no question, Danny played with Larry Bird and Kevin McHale and coached, you know, Charles Barkley, and like he, he's he knows the star value. He understands you're not you're not piecing this together. You know, Royce O'Neal's and Joe Ingles are wonderful players, but you're not winning with you're not winning anything big with them, right? They're complementary pieces, and we don't have enough of those pieces right now. Um, what I think Danny's not willing to do is go overspend on complementary pieces that then hand ties you so that you're unable to go add those real pieces down the road. Like that's really to me what I'm seeing right now is first of all, they got a bunch of draft picks for shots. They got some more movable pieces, but they're not about to go sign a four year contract to some player just to have a average player. But then you're also tied into him um, and lose some of your roster flexibility. The timetable and the path, I think, you know, what they've done is they've built flexibility. And so it's, it's, it's a tricky question of when or how, and certainly keeping Donovan is, you know, is vital in it. And if Donovan is, doesn't want to stay and it doesn't look like it can happen fast enough for Donovan, then you move Donovan and you, that sets your pace. If things become available in the process and Donovan shows, you know, has a better year than he had last year and continues to show the development that a lot of people believe he can have, then you're taking, then you go add some pieces to him um, the same way Danny did in the past. This is a fabulous question. This will be my summer research. Zach Lancaster comes through again. He often does. Are there examples of teams that successfully rebuilt around a player by turning over the majority of the roster? Kobe's Lakers is the one that comes to my mind. Certainly, they when they got the Pau Gasol trade. Um, I don't know the answer to this. I've got to really think about this. And then the question is also, what do we think is successful? That kind of goes to the daily debate um, or the debate for the weekend I gave you. I love this question. This is worth, you know, some research on this. Is there an example of, you know, taking an all-star caliber player, moving them, and then retooling? So Toronto with Kawhi Leonard probably would fall into this in that single year that they got that done. Um, but usually these dynasties are kind of run through, um, you know, one or two, one sole piece Dunk, you know, you change the team around Stockton Malone, you change the team around Duncan, you change the team around Kobe. And so Donovan would have to be that single piece. I'll have to, this is a great question, Zach, and I don't really have an answer for it, but we'll continue to uh, look into it. What excite, this is from Caden. What excites you the most about Will Hardy? Um, I think the fresh voice is is a nice thing. I think just watching them play summer league, there was a little less just high centric, high pick and roll, a little bit more off ball movement to get into things and get into actions that way. Um, it almost felt a little bit like the early days of Quinn. Um, I think you know, I think just the the newness of it um, hard because you know I've got close friends on that last staff that are that are no longer a part of this or not going to be a part of it, and so it's. Um, 
you know, I think change is hard. Change is uncomfortable. And for those of us that were deeply embedded, change is hard. But I think, you know, you've got a young voice. You basically, hey, the fact of the matter is that Will Hardy was the pop heir apparent, right? And so you've got that this guy who's supposed to be one of the rising stars of coaching. And you get to watch him the same way you get to watch your players develop. Um, and you get to watch him put his stamp on the team. And you get a different team than what we had Um and the, we'll play in a different style than we than we did in the past. And I do think, hey, let's you know, Quinn said it. You know, they need a new voice, and so I think that's that's as exciting as there. If you were Danny Ainge, what would be your plan at this point? Do you feel like retooling or rebuilding is the best course given the landscape post Rudy trade from Grady? So I think this is the number one question for all Jazz fans. That's why I put it in here. I don't actually have a great answer for it, but I think this is the number one question. Like, where are we and what are we doing? And I think that's the whole point of the Go Bear trade is that you actually have multiple options. You know, the Jazz sat in a draft room for the draft and had no picks and had no options and had no impact and just sat there for like a night and probably tried to play phone calls, but everybody else was going to prom and everybody else had a date and everyone else was in a limo and everybody else had a dance partner and the Jazz, like, didn't get involved. They knew the party was going on and they were told they didn't get to go and they called everyone to see if they can invitation and they didn't get in. And then free agency came around, which was the post-party to the prom. And again, the same thing happened. Everyone liked the jazz and they were nice, but they somehow just never found out where the party was and they didn't get to be involved. And now they've forced themselves into the party. And so what really what they were doing was they were sitting there before with a roster that wasn't working, that hadn't broken through, that either had the one-year blip or not. Had you know, My greatest concern the day Quinn resigned was whether or not Quinn had been giving us, you know, five to eight to 12 wins a year just with coaching. Well, maybe Danny agreed with that and suddenly said, this roster is just not that solid and we can't seem to change it. And so we've got to give ourselves some different routes. And you're right, retooling and rebuilding are the two routes and they're very different, but they're both options right now. We can use our draft picks to go bring somebody in we can go sit on our draft picks. We can trade Don and go get more draft picks. We can try to fiddle with Mike and Boyan and, and the pieces we have on the roster right now to see if we can fill some other spots. We And and so there's just a multitude of options. And I think what Danny is allowing, rather than being like particularly like processed step one, two, three, four, five has to be this way. I think he's allowing kind of the world to come to him a little bit on this, which is certainly a different situation um, than the jazz were in before because they just didn't have any options at all. So the fact that there's like this uncertainty is different, but it might be the whole point of what the jazz just did. Today's show is brought to you by betonline.net. More locked LOJ coming up, by the way, or ask LOJ. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, news, including the Major League Baseball. Bunch of fun futures in the NBA right now. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news. The NBA futures are fun. You actually probably can get in on the Wimbledon end. By the way, the pitcher's duel, I love this every day. I don't know if you guys care about this. You might think it's silly. Is that seven, There's about six games at seven and a half today, so I have no, I have no good pitcher's duel uh, for you to jump on. NBA odds, uh, they, you can bet summer league games. Um, so the Lakers are a five and a half point favorite over the uh, 
Suns in summer league games tonight. I really cannot believe that we've reached that point, but good for them. Celtics are now the odds on to win the favorite. The Suns are no longer. That's changed, and it's kind of jumbled. Celtics at plus 600. Bucks plus 625. Warriors at plus 650. Suns at 650. Clippers at 700. Lakers are at 1,000. Heat are at 1,200. 76ers are at 1,400. Brooklyn at 2,000. Denver at 2,000. Toronto at plus 2,000. Dallas at plus 220. Memphis at plus 220. Minnesota at plus... Wait, not 220. 2,200 for all those. Um... Atlanta at plus 6,000. The Jazz at plus 10,000. Um, I have a thought on that. I'll share with you here in, a, in just a second. That is betonline.net. Back for a second to all those odds. It's pretty interesting to me that right now, if you look at it, the West, they're projecting they're projecting the Warriors as one, Suns two, Clippers three, Lakers four. Okay, whatever. Denver five, Dallas six, Memphis seven. Memphis and Minnesota 8. So Dallas, Memphis, Minnesota are 6, 7, 8. So they only have one of those teams making the teams that make the biggest moves of the offseason. The Minnesota Timberwolves, they have projected as a 6, 7, 8, which would not be bad for us in draft. And then they have the Pelicans at 9, by the way, who just gave Zion the max. In the East, and and so, you know, I think Minnesota will be higher than that, maybe not be able to win a championship, but and probably be in the top six. But the, here's this massive move they make for win now. And the championship odds have them at tied for sixth in, in the West. In the East, you have Milwaukee is one. You have Boston is one. Milwaukee is two. Miami is three. 76ers at four. Brooklyn at five. Chicago at six. Atlanta at seven. Here's Atlanta. Put all the chips in. DeJounte Murray deal. Their, their odds on like projection is a possible play-in game. And then Cavaliers are at 8, Hornets are at 9, Knicks are at 10. Knicks go all in for Jalen Brunson, and they're not, they're at 10. They're the last playing team. It's pretty interesting to me that this is kind of where we, that these teams all put that much in, and then that's what they're, that's what they're getting right now. Corey asks on ask, hashtag AskLOJ, what are your thoughts on international guys seeming more likely to stay in markets? Gobert, Jokic, Giannis, Duncan, Dirk. It's interesting. Um... Dame Lillard, Steph Curry stayed too, right? So there have been very few players that have stayed. Jokic has stayed, Giannis has stayed, Duncan stayed, Dirk stayed. Right now there's four. And because we traded Gobert, there's real so there were four or five. So there was the guys that have stayed right now that have signed second contracts, have been, that have made no are Giannis, Gobert, would have been Gobert, Jokic, Dame. And Steph. So two of the five are American. Um, you know, two of them have won titles, frankly. Uh, so, and, you know, Rudy ended up, you know, and who knows on Rudy? He, like, for all we know, Rudy would have at some point voiced something. Um, so really, we have four. Two of them are international. Two of them are not. And two of them have won titles. I kind of think winning the title is the bigger one in there. Uh, if the Jazz can't get anything for Boyan and Mike prior to the Rudy trade, how can they rebuild around Donovan? How can they... Get quality wings uh, as a Donovan trade coming. So two things. One is I think what you might be asking for, for Boyan, Mike, uh, or something of that nature, could be a little different now than what you were trying to do before if you were really trying to rebuild to win with Donovan and Rudy. Now you're looking for a little bit of a different package. So that might open up the doors. Um, 
By the way, both Boyan and Mike are super good. So you might just decide to keep them. Because um, they're both really, really good. You know, Mike and Donovan are small in the backcourt. That was a problem last year. But Don- Mike had a top 30 NBA players regular season last year. Let's not kind of forget that along the way. He was he was super good. Um, I do kind of agree on the 6-1-6-1 thing being a problem. But they're also, you know, not everything can be perfect. Um, so I, my answer to that is I think it opens up a little bit. And yes, there is a possibility that a Donovan trade could be coming. There's really no reason to do a Donovan trade for 12 months, though. You know, if if you really don't have routes and the best move for the organization, exactly as was the case with Rudy, it was to trade him, we'll have to do that. And that's not great. Like, that's the reality of this business, though. Do you have to believe, do you believe the organization will retire Rudy's jersey? Is there a petition we can sign and get in front of Ryan Smith to make this happen? I, I don't, Ben Combs, I don't think there's a need for a, petition um i think we'll retire rudy's number it just won't happen until he's you know he's finished his career um the only thing that would change that would be if rudy goes to minnesota and they win two or three titles or win a title and he becomes kind of really known as a timber wolf then in some way do you not retire his number that'd be sad like if he has the heyday of his career in minnesota and so that he really is remembered as a timber wolf not a jazz player then maybe you know you don't retire the number um you know, it's funny how if a player finishes their career with you, you're very likely... Like, if Jeff Hornacek had his career with Utah, but then had his next career with Philadelphia and Phoenix, I wonder whether we would have retired his number. Right? Like, we retired his number a little bit because he retired with us, and then you're, you tribute the retired number. So there is a funky thing. So it's not a guarantee, but I do think it seems um, likely. What are the main holes in the rosters that stands right now? And can we fill those holes with free agency still, or is your only option more trades? There is not much left from Tyler Gelt or Gelt, um, Galt, I think there's not much left in the free agent market. Like it's, it's barren right now. Um, your free agent centers are Montrez, Harrell, LaMarcus Aldridge, Frank Kaminsky, who I actually think is okay. Um, DeMarcus Cousins, Hassan Whiteside, Dwight Howard, Tristan Thompson, Greg Monroe. I mean, there is a Zeller available, and we have never had a Zeller or a Plumlee, which is rather remarkable. Um, forwards that are unsigned, Carmelo, Melvin Frazier, who is a defensive guy who can't really shoot, um, Lance Stevenson, Mike Muscala. I actually think he's fine. Jordan Wara is a nice player. He's only 23. I thought I thought the Bucks re-signed him. He's restricted, that's why. Um Jeremy Lamb is floating out there. Like these are not, you know, Nima Bielitsa, I think, still unsigned. Uh, we don't really need another guard, um, but Dennis Schroeder is out there. We we probably don't need that. Um, Etwan Moore is out there. Probably slowed down. Probably don't need that. So the free agent market's pretty sparse at this point, which would lead me to mean you're doing something with trades. Um, the biggest manhole cover everyone's talking about is center. I do wonder whether or not a Jared Vanderbilt, Walker Kessler combination actually can just solve your center minutes in and then you're just playing a very different style than what we're used to um walker kessler might be able to play we'll see in the summer league how he looks um but it's not like if you just ask him to drop he's not getting smaller and set picks and roll you know he might have a chance to be able to um he might have a chance to do something um and be able to play a little bit and then if vanderbilt can play center in the way he did, it's really what he did in Minnesota, then maybe you've got most of your center minutes. Now we're just talking like wings and power forwards, and we're really short um, in that category. What are the moments you first realized that Rudy Gobert in the the number 27 pick of the 2013 draft was a rotation player, then a starter, then an all-star, then finally a Hall of Famer? 
Great question, but I can't do it off the top of my head. Um, there was a day in Dallas, or I think he 2020. Um, I remember being on the bus leaving and being like, oh my gosh, what do we have? Like, that's that's the kind of memory. Uh, Thurl Bailey called it earlier. You should all at Thurl Big T Bailey on Twitter and tell him I'm giving him credit for this. But he called that Rudy was special really early. So, you know, when someone of that caliber and that that basketball knowledge and acumen suddenly says to me, like, I think Rudy's special, you know, you suddenly do decide, like, oh, I kind of, that's an interesting concept. I I, I better look at this. Um, and then you just started to see it, right, night in and night out. And I think the other one was when Gordon Hayward left and we were still great. And suddenly Rudy was the one that was the the connector between the two um, would be the one that kind of gave me the idea that this guy was really, really fabulous. Uh, from Steven, we all know Stockton Malone are one, two in terms of franchise impact. Who goes after them? Would Gobert be the third? Sorry, I'm in my mid-30s, so the 90s is really my starting reference point. No, that's fine. I think so. Like, I think at this point, Darren is probably the third. Um but I think Rudy is probably with the defensive player of the years and the years and some other aspects might turn out to be kind of in retrospect. We put him at the third. If Donovan were to sign another contract here, he certainly would go to three, if not higher. Um, I know it seems blasphemous, but you never know. Um, so, and, you know, I don't think Boozer gets there. And then early, the early New Orleans era never kind of plays into that. AD was really good. Like Adrian Dantley probably deserves some conversation in here of being the third best jazz player. But right now it's probably an Adrian Dantley, Darren Williams, Rudy Gobert conversation. Um, and it seems like uh, a fairly, fairly fun one. That can be your next weekend debate. Um, do you get to call the All-Star game? Nope. As a local radio host or play-by-play announcer, do you know if you'll be involved with All-Star at all? I hope so. I don't know. Um, unrelated, do you think Rudy will shoot at least one three in his career? Yes, I think Rudy will shoot some threes in Minnesota. I think Rudy will have the rule of the roost in Minnesota. Um, I don't know. I hope to be involved play by play. I hope I can be a great ambassador to the organization, to all the people that are in town. Um, maybe I'll take them all skiing. Um, I'll be hosting. I'll be hosting the ski outings for all the media and, and those people. Um, have you seen anyone on the Jazz Summer League from Braden that will be a good addition to our current roster? I thought Simonich was really interesting last night. Uh, Bar- was it Bora- Borasa? No, that's not right. Uh, but Simonich, Serbia, was one of the top European players. He played the... Um, EuroLeague Next Gen Tournament when he was 18 years old or 17 years old and he was the MVP so that would that would say like you're the next star of Europe and then he's plateaued since then and I thought he was interesting last night um, I thought Palmer showed some athleticism in the second night that was elite over everyone else um, Caboclo had a good summer league game he really should I mean he's been in the NBA for seven years so that is not I'm not as excited about that as everybody else is and then I think there's like some intricacies to the game of where whether he's in the right spot all the time he was really good last night like he was the best player on the floor i'm not trying to minimize that but like he should be the best player on the floor he was drafted seven years ago um jared came out with a good line by the end of last night and i i he's searching like he came out i thought he played really well early moving the ball and we hit a bunch of shots which were off his actions and then he kind of went into trying to score for himself and i think he's trying to find um himself in a lot of in a lot of different ways right now that I think are, are probably a little difficult for him. Final question on Ask LOJ. When the Bucks come to Salt Lake City, can you introduce my friend Matthew W. Gary Fox to Joe Ingles? I can almost guarantee he's not a stalker and won't stab him. Almost. Have a great weekend, everyone. Talk to you soon. This is Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.